review of The Life and Work of John Ruskin by B.B. Warfield. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life and Work of John Ruskin by W. G. Collingwood, M.A., editor of The Poems of John Ruskin, with portraits and other illustrations in two volumes, Boston and New York, Houghton, Mifflin and Co., 1893, Octavo, page 14, 6, 565, and Appendices, pages 21 and 31. The bookmaker's art has exhausted its powers on these two beautiful volumes paper type page illustrations all conspire to put into the reader's hands a book which it is a delight to handle and to read mr ruskin himself we are told has been wont to be extremely particular about the material dress in which his writings were presented to the public and knows how to calculate the effect on the reader of the look of his work in print his letters to his publishers discuss the size of the page and the delightful type and suggest that a quarter inch off this page would look better he was even made ill once by the division of a word at the end of a line. Well, even his fastidiousness would be satisfied by the look of these volumes. Perhaps he has lent his advice to the details in this case too, or Mr. Collingwood has imbibed his taste. Mr. Collingwood, in his long and intimate association with Mr. Ruskin, has enjoyed exceptional opportunities for knowing him, for knowing the life that he has led, the things he has done, the man that he is. The sketch he has given us bears everywhere traces of this intimate knowledge. But that it may not disappoint, it must be judged strictly by what it proposes. Mr. Collingwood warns us beforehand not to expect in it the life and friends of John Ruskin, or his life and times. He adds that it is intended neither as an apology nor as a criticism, and that it is meant to record only the story of a noble life and the main issues of a great man's work within these limits it is a thoroughly successful book the reader will desirate here and there more definite facts he feels at times that just those details are kept from him which he needs in order to appreciate or even understand mr ruskin's character or action but he reads the book from beginning to end with unbroken pleasure and rises from it with a better understanding and a higher appreciation of mr ruskin the man and of his aims and of his work than he had before what an enthusiastic perfervid genius he has been full of contradictions but only of such contradictions as arise from the generous impulses of an essentially great and genial mind the picture given of him by the oxford university herald is a true one but a one-sided one the intensity of his own perceptions always gave him difficulty in receiving any knowledge from others and it has taken the form of subjectivity or egotism he is unable to endure authority on any subject or even to accept testimony his life has been spoiled by his continual attempts to substitute a christianity of his own for the church of england he has his own political economy he has systematized an excellent botany of his own a mineralogy of his own a geology of his own he has driven himself frantic by conducting a magazine of his own he has separated himself from everybody whose mind is not a minute copy of his own his chivalric enthusiasms for turner for the pre-raphaelites for kate greenaway and francesca alexander must be borne in mind to correct and condition such a description but with such allowances it seems to be just mr ruskin is one of the great prophets of our day 
but his mission has been to compel attention to neglected signs of truth his usefulness has therefore been as a stimulant rather than as a leader one of the lines of movement in this life which mr collingwood's story enables us to trace dimly but instructively is the driftage of mr ruskin's religious thought and life beginning with sound evangelicalism his religious tendencies have drifted back and forward with his enthusiasms now towards roman splendour now towards sceptical coldness the shock of some fancied waldensian bigotry upsets him now page two fifty five and now he is brought measurably back to his moorings by the influence of miss alexander and the simple piety of the protestant brethren in florence under pastor rossetti's teaching page five to one it is always however an artistic feeling in religion that sways him and it is apparently the sincerity and simplicity rather than the truth of mr rossetti and his band of outcast protestants which impress him and aid so powerfully in leading him back from the wildernesses of thought and doubt if not to the fold of the church yet to the footstool of the father end of review of the life and work of john ruskin by b b warfield